You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 82 of Boys in the Booth. And in this episode, after cap or no cap, as usual, we're going to be revisiting the Calder Trophy conversation for best rookie in the National Hockey League this season. But before we get to all of that, we'll say hello to the other two fellas, Chad and Case. Uh, guys, hard to believe we're at uh, the end of April almost here. Uh, how you guys doing? Yeah, you know, it's sad to see a month guy go by so quickly, but at the same time, I'm actually moving in May, so it's kind of getting me a little bit excited to get there and, and get that process going. So I'm excited for that. And this topic here on this episode, this one's uh, one that hits home for me because I'm watching a team full of rookies every single night because the Devils <laughs> are an average age of 12 years old and on a 10-game losing streak. So, um, yeah. I, I didn't know where that one was going. I thought you were going to say it hits home for me because I was I won the Calder Trophy or something. I was like, Case, you know, that was in a dream in 2004 when you were playing for the Kings, okay? I don't think you actually won it. But, uh, no, I, I'm good, man. And it's exciting, that move that you're going to go through. It, I just did it, obviously, and it's exciting. It sucks for a few days unpacking everything. But, uh, yeah, you're going to be up in Collingwood. That's going to be that's gonna be fun for you, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, things are good. Harp, how, how are you, man? I'm, I'm good. And uh, you know why I'm in a good mood is because of our awesome listeners. And because of them, we have another three months with Manscaped. So uh, that is fantastic. And uh, once again, don't forget to head over to manscaped.com. Use our promo code BITB20 for 20% off and free shipping. And also, don't forget uh, don't forget about the summer merch that, uh, that ends yeah. on Friday. So uh, we have awesome listeners, guys, and it's got me in a great mood. Yeah, so can, I, can I chime in here? You guys are fantastic. The Manscaped thing, um, we didn't just get re-upped. We got a raise uh, per month, which is great that they pay us. And uh, if those orders keep coming in, like, you guys are fantastic. Um, you know, we're, we're going to keep being able to, to get new content out to you guys and, and improve the quality like Harper just ordered a new a new microphone here and you know a new internet service and everything like the orders on, on the merch store and everything we're almost at 3700 and if we get to that number and I guess this is going to be the last episode um, before it's all over so you better listen carefully we're almost at 3700 if we get to there you know what's going to happen. The three of us, me, Casey, and Harper, are going to play a round of golf at the Brockville Country Club whenever we're allowed to leave our homes uh, safely and we're not locked in uh, prisons, as Robin Lehner would call it. And, yeah, we're going to play a round in the, uh, the Boys in the Booth uh, golf skirts, and it's going to be hilarious. We're going to film the whole thing. We're going to put it on YouTube. But you know it'll be better if you're there to see it in person, so uh, stay tuned for that. So go, go to the website right now, boysinthebooth.com slash shop, and uh, make your purchase if you can now that we're done our just shameless plugs not shameless <laughs> yeah yes shameless you're right no Let's shame get on with it. yeah you're right <laughs> 
Boys in the Booth is sponsored by Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels, and it's now available in USA, Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and the EU. We have an exclusive offer for our audience as well. Use the code BITB20 to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the movement and the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. Did you know that one guy every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer? So this is a reminder to all the men listening to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Manscaped, in addition to providing the right tools and solutions for safe and easy manscaping, has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to spread awareness for men's health and early cancer detection. Together, TCS and Manscaped are committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of the We Save Balls initiative. While you're down there cleaning up your sack, why not go ahead and give them a little investigation for lumps, changes in size, or any pain? I think we can all agree that it's pretty fun playing with them anyways. Manscaped recommends that you check yourself once a month, and if you feel any lumps or swelling, give your doctor a call. In addition to checking yourself regularly, you want to make sure that your sack is looking fresh and clean with Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Inside this perfect package, you'll find uh, the products and liquid formulations that have been developed to turn your bathroom into a salon for your balls. All liquid formulations use only the best ingredients, and some of these liquid tools include the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant for your balls, the Crop Reviver, which is a spray-on testy toner and refresher, the Perfect Package 3.0 also includes anti-chafing performance boxers that keep your package cool and feeling fresh. Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your balls today. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BITB20 at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code BITB20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And now back to episode 82 of the podcast. All right, we'll get into cap or no cap now. We've got three questions to go through, and then we'll get into uh, the Calder Trophy conversation uh, once again uh, for best rookie in the NHL this season. So to kick off uh, cap or no cap, uh, we're, we're watching the game right now, Flames and, and Habs, as we're recording this. The Flames are suddenly four points behind the Habs uh, for that fourth and final playoff spot in the North Division. Uh, they're playing each other as we speak, as I mentioned. And uh, if the Habs fall out of it and miss the playoffs, guys, is Mark Bergevin out of a job? Cap or no cap? Case. Uh, I'm going to say cap. I think he's done done a good, a good enough job so far this year to get them where they are. They've had some uh, struggles with COVID and stuff like that and being held back. So they've had a, a stranger season, kind of like the Devils, where it's just unfortunate and it takes a toll on the team. But really why I'm saying cap is I really don't see them being caught by the flames. I think that Montreal still got some gas left in the tank. They're, they're playing Cole Caulfield tonight. So kind of switching things up a little bit and not to mention that the flames just lost Noah Hannafin for the rest of the season. So I think that's going to be a big toll. And um, we know that their goaltending has been a little bit shaky so far this season. So I think Montreal still makes the playoffs. And I think that Bergevin's, He's safe. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you here, Case. I think Bergevin is also safe, and uh, don't mind Paige. She's just making a tea in the background here. You can hear the kettle um, getting used to this new place. But, yeah, I think he's safe. Um, 
they've got the pieces. He made a couple big deals and and they've paid off this season so far. You know, like even bringing in a guy like Eric Stahl, I see in tonight's lineup, he's playing on the fourth line. So I don't know about that to make room for Cole Caulfield, obviously, who is going to be a spark for that team. But uh, yeah, you look at the Flames. They only have one goalie now. They traded the other one to Toronto, um, obviously. And Markstrom hasn't been great all year. Missing out on um, Noah Hannafin as well. Giordano hasn't had a great season. They haven't been getting a ton of offense. I don't know. I see Montreal hanging on to that last spot. Personally, I think it's it's more of a conversation to talk about Vancouver perhaps making a push at the end of the year here because they didn't play for 24 days um, because they everyone on their team had COVID, as we know. And uh, they missed about seven games. I think they're seven games back of the Habs right now and maybe around like nine points or something. So it is a bit of a reach, but I just have more faith in, in the Habs firstly, but then also the Canucks over the Flames right now. I, I just think the Flames are sort of depleted and, and maybe just this isn't the year and, and go for it next year. So that's my answer to that one, Harp. And you do not want to see the Canucks get that fourth spot, Chad. I they know. They've been giving Toronto a hard time. They've owned the Leafs this year, <laughs> and I have no idea why. But. Now, the the thing about the Canucks, uh, just to, to go off of that, is that, uh, you know, it, it's not likely we're going to see Elias Pettersson back this season, oh, right, guys? Right. So that 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 is a, a huge impact on their success moving forward. But you're right. They've got a they've got some games left here after a bunch of time off. They've looked good at when they've. Uh, uh, out of the gate since they've returned and who knows so and and just going back to the flames and the habs like are there two general managers uh who are just under uh, so much pressure right now and in, in, in brad tree living and and mark bergevin like are these are these the two that are under the most pressure in the league right now guys Canadian marketplaces. Well, it's the way it is. Well, listen, you would think that they're under the most pressure, and they are from the fans, but do you really think either of those guys is going to be leaving office anytime soon? Because I don't. I, I think Bergevin might be the longest tenured GM in the league, and, and we can check that. I don't know if that's correct, but he's been there a long time, and Tree Living as well has, has been there a long time. So I don't know. There's the pressure, obviously, of playing in a Canadian market, but at the same time, like these guys – I've been there forever. I think they're kind of integral parts to their team, and at least that's what ownership thinks at this point. So, anyways, we'll see what happens with, with the two of them. All right, we'll move on. Uh, it would not be a surprise to see some players, coaches, uh, executives, etc., choose to take a step back in their organizations next year after uh, just all of the stress, uh, the stresses of this uh, pandemic-shortened NHL season. Cap or no cap, uh, Chad. Uh, no cap, and I guess that's depending on what you mean by taking a step back. If you mean financially and monitoring your spending and having sort of an internal cap, then yeah, I could definitely see that with a handful of teams. Um, probably about a third of the teams in the league that are doing it right now. Like even a team as good as the Pittsburgh Penguins at the start of this whole thing had mentioned that you know they're they're working with an internal cap system, and I don't know if that's still the case with with new management group there but that's uh it's just the reality right that's the dollars and cents that that makes the league work and makes these owners happy so if that's what you meant harp and i and maybe you can clarify then that i could definitely see that happening next year 
Yeah, uh, Case, before you jump in, I will clarify, Chad, I was more talking about the people instead of, like, the the team end of things with the cap and all of that. I was more talking about individuals, like certain players, coaches, and executives taking a step back, maybe taking some time off, less responsibility in their organizations next year, just after what they've had to deal with this year. So anyways, wanted to clarify that for you. Do you have anything further to that? Well, I would say I would say to add to that, no, you're a big four professional sports league. Um, the pressure and the desire to win is always going to be there. And, you know, not even the desire to win, but the des- desire to make money next year. So I think there might even be more pressure for these for these, you know, ownership and management groups to get fans in the building, get W's under their belt, make playoff pushes. So I think there might even be more pressure next year after this COVID season. Casey, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's so much uncertainty going on. You know, the cap's not growing at all. So I think that players definitely realize that taking a step back and maybe taking a year off would be detrimental to their careers, maybe. And you never know if you're going to have a job after that. And I also think that on the other side of that, these guys are hockey players. This is what they love to do. And I think that um, next year, hopefully, is going to be a less stressful season. I think that most of the guys are going to be vaccinated, if not all of them. And I think they're going to be able to do a little more, be with their families a little more. So I think that it's going to be a little back to normal for them. So playing hockey is going to be their extra stress rel- reliever, if you ask me. So I think that, you know, this is what these guys want to do. You see Patrick Marlowe talking in his interview after he beat Gordy Howe's record, and, and he loves to be at the rink. He loves to play hockey. He loves everything to do with that. So I don't see anyone really taking a step back except maybe a coach here or there. Well, I'm glad I asked this question because uh, Elliot Friedman uh, asked uh, the same question on his podcast uh, recently. And also, uh, I think the entire hockey world saw and heard the comments from Robin Leonard, right? Just about the, the mental toll that, that it's had on him and, and others, you know, during this, uh, what's been a very difficult NHL season and uh, we're getting ready for the playoff push here so anyways just thought it was a good question to ask and uh, here's a here's a bit of a fun one uh, to wrap up cap or no cap uh, for episode 82 uh, so in the Sens and Canucks game on Saturday of course Artem Anisimov uh, had to dress as the Sens e-bug uh, after Matt Murray and Anton Forsberg both went down with injuries uh, we will see more players strap on the pads in an e-bug role in the near future cap or no cap case Uh, i'm gonna say cap because that's really only a situation for this season and the odds of two goalies getting hurt are so slim like how many times have we seen an e-bug in our in our lives two times three times i mean we've seen them maybe dress and and sit on the bench but actually get in the game i wish this would have happened because how cool would have been to have a guy that not only had a career in the nhl as a player but also played a game as a goalie how cool would that have been that would be super cool i'm gonna say maybe we will see more of this though uh going forward and if in your question if in the future means this season or the rest of this season i'm i'm gonna say yeah maybe we could see it again the chances are are pretty slim but i will say the e-bugs traditionally um, are, are people in the stands who go to the games 
um, and have an agreement with the team that if they're in the building at that time, they can be called upon. But they're just regular Joes, right? It might be a 42-year-old Zamboni driver, and then he goes out <laughs> on to beat the Leafs. Um, it might be David Ayers, right? Or, or a Scott Foster, who's an accountant. Um, but those people aren't allowed in most of the buildings this season, especially in the Canadian markets. Nobody's allowed. So that's when you have a situation where, like Artem Anisimov, a player has to strap on the pads because really they don't have anybody else who's able to do it. So I'm saying we might see it, like, if we're ever going to see that again, ever, like in the history of the league, I think it will be in this weird, crazy, whack. <laughs> season but i don't think we will i think the only way we see it is if the rangers sneak into the playoffs and then whatever team they're playing we might see it happen to them because chris Kreider just loves to hurt goalies right <laughs> or or the devils play philadelphia three more times and miles wood does not know how to stop for himself from crashing the net so there's another opportunity yeah. or or if the hurricanes are looking to make a deep playoff push and they decide that you know David Ayers is the guy to do it or, or another defenseman or something on their team. So I just thought it was a funny one to bring up because it was such a such a bizarre uh, sequence of events on the weekend there. And then even before that, we saw Elias Pedersen strap them on uh, for a practice with the Vancouver Canucks. And then the other thing I just think of, you know, let's say you've you've got a team who's really struggling. They've lost a bunch of games and this happens to them in a game. You know, could that be a morale booster? Maybe get the guys to loosen up a bit, have a good laugh on the bench that you know, one of their players uh, just straps on the pads and acts as an e-bug. I don't know. So I just, I wanted to bring that up as kind of a fun way to wrap up cap or no cap. So, all right, well, good stuff with that, boys. And and we'll get in now to uh, revisiting the Calder Trophy conversation for best rookie in the National Hockey League. And uh, so the way we're going to do this is, we had our original picks obviously before the season started and then we kind of picked uh you know a couple of fun ones each that uh you know maybe a, a dark horse could uh who could win the the calder trophy maybe someone for next season who could be in the race whatever so we're going to revisit all of that and uh so case why don't we start with you we'll we'll, we'll go to you at, uh with with your pick that you had a while ago uh before the season started for the calder trophy this season and then uh and then you've got some thoughts uh a little later on on one of the guys who is right in the race and and could certainly win it so we'll start with your pick before the season started uh tell us uh, about that yeah so my dark horse pick was way off um i thought that this guy was going to be making the team but i guess uh, some surgence of some players like carter verhage kind of kicked him out of this spot and this team being uh, way better than we ever imagined you know i said that they're gonna have a good season when i was picking this guy but maybe not this good so it was a little surprising to me but grigory denisenko he's played two games so far this <laughs> season so uh, i don't think he's winning the calder this year unless he has a, a lights out remaining six games of the season and puts up uh 70 points um <laughs> So I'm going to take that one out of the race. And then my other one was Lafreniere, which I want to have a little bit of a defense to this argument in the fact that this is such a strange season and having such a short camp and getting straight into it. I think that really affect, uh, affected Lafreniere's season. And, you know, he had a very slow start. He didn't have like any points in his first 13 games. Um, even the Rangers in general were bad at the beginning of the season. They sat in dead last in uh, the East Division for 
for multiple weeks. So they had a slow start, and that also affected uh, Lafreniere. But you know, he's doing much better now. He's picked up more of a regular shift out there, and he's got 17 points in 49 games as a 19-year-old. I, I think that's nothing to complain about. As a Rangers fan, there's a lot of bright future there. And uh, you know, I think he's going to finish off this season strong as they try to fight and claw back for a playoff spot. Yeah, it's funny, guys. When I went back and I listened to our previous episode talking about our Calder picks, we were all on the same page with that with that pick case. We were all saying, you know, it's Lafreniere's Calder trophy to lose. And it was at that time. You know, he had just put up record numbers in the QMJHL. He had just dominated the World Junior Championship and every other level that he's played at. He just absolutely dominated. And, you know, he was filled out. He wasn't one of these young prospects who comes into the the league at 140 pounds like maybe an Elias Pettersson or, or something like that um, he was a man and and he was built and he had dominated every level and he was poised to win the trophy and then it just didn't work out the first few weeks of the season he wasn't able to get a point and it just kind of you know it goes to show that the NHL it's tough for an 18 or even a 19 year old player to sort of make it in the league and and be a superstar it's only once in a, in a while and I was going to say once in a generation that this happens but I think it used to happen way more frequently than it does now but in case you know this too we've talked about this off air before it's just it's a hard league for 18 year olds and Lafreniere is no exception to that now I think next year he'll come back and have an absolutely phenomenal season after you know a summer off and in training and everything and having a regular training camp and being on a team that should be better than they were this year um, so far anyways but but yeah, that, that was the pick that it kind of just seemed like a lock. And it was funny, too. We also talked about, you know, Quinton Byfield having the possibility of winning it. Well, he hasn't even played an NHL game. He's been in the American League all year. Um, and then, of course, you go back a couple years ago when I picked Philip Zadina. So it just goes to show that you never know how these young players are going to perform, uh, you know, at the NHL level. But that was the pick. That was the pick. Lafreniere, like I said, I think he's going to come back and have a really great year next year year yeah yeah i think that next year um we do our projections five games into the season yeah so that the guy <laughs> is at least playing yeah i agree and then that's the thing too like with grigory denisenko like who would have thought that carter verhage would come out of nowhere and steal his you know top six role that we thought denisenko would be playing and it, it, it was just funny. Like, like I said, the go, looking back and, and the arguments we, we made and stuff, it's just like you think you know so much about a player going into a season, but the NHL level is just totally different from anything. So it's kind of funny. But Case, any, any more sort of to talk about? Or can I mention like my picks or, or like how, how do you guys why want to do you, this? Why don't you talk about your original picks and then Harp does, and then we get into the uh, the more current standings of the uh, the odds and yeah, stuff. Because yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about um, kind of three guys that are in the race in my mind, and uh, then have a little bit of a rant. If okay. You don't mind. Okay. Fair enough. So we'll do that. Uh, so I'll mention the two players that I picked uh, to have a possibility to win the Calder this year. Again, like we mentioned, the first guy. 
uh, that we picked was someone who we thought actually had a legitimate chance. For Casey, that was Alexi Lafreniere. For me, that was Ilya Sorokin. And then we also picked a player who we thought had an outside chance or would just be a, a cool or a fun story to hear about if they did win the Calder. And for me, that was Gabe Velarde. So for Sorokin first, um, a lot of the points that I made on, on the podcast – kind of like rang true this season you know Sorokin is playing for a a defensive team in the Islanders we expected him to have really good numbers and he does he's 12-5-1 with a 2.25 goals against average and a 9.14 save percentage the only thing that didn't come true that I kind of expected to happen and this was like the crutch of why I picked Sorokin to win the Calder is that I thought Verlamov would falter a little bit at least he has little been, did you know <laughs> little did i know that Semyon varlamov had an absolute resurgence and he is one of the best goalies in the league this season he's 17 9 and 4 with a 212 goals against and a 926 save percentage and like i said that was the crux of me picking sorokin because we knew they were going to be in a tandem like role but i just thought that you know, Varlamov wasn't great, but he has sure proven me wrong. What are your guys' thoughts now seeing the season unfold so far with the Islanders and, and Sorokin? Yeah, you've certainly seen him put out some outstanding games, but exactly what you said, Chad. That I was going to say it until you got to it. <laughs> like, who would have thought Varlamov would have been this good and then take that, that starting role right out from Sorokin? So... You know, I was kind of I was kind of hoping that he'd get that job and get that role. I had my doubts that a goalie would ever win it, mm-hmm. but that's uh, that's a that's a shame for him. Yeah, it, yeah. It's just like I said, that was like one of the main reasons. I was like, you know what? They're going to play in a tandem role. He's going to get more starts down the stretch, but it hasn't happened. And you know, the Islanders are a wagon right now, and they're running that tandem system. And I don't think they're going to change anything else you know, down the stretch or into the playoffs. So it really seems like, unfortunately, Sorokin won't be winning the Calder Trophy, but he gave it his best effort. Um, and again, just to just go to my second guy here, the guy who I thought it'd be fun if he could win it, there was that local connection we talked about, um, you know, how we had done Win Wim Hof training with Dan DeLewis, a, a Brockful guy there, um, Gabe Velarde had been. But uh, Gabe just hasn't been fantastic this year for the LA Kings, and and that's no fault of his own. We even mentioned in the in the episode that you know it was a lot of uh, there were a lot of factors working against him. The fact that the LA Kings weren't going to be very good, and I mean they haven't been this season. Um, the fact that Velarde, you know, could get jumped by other players in the lineup, and and you know he has been playing third line minutes. Uh, but it just it, it hasn't worked out. He's been playing about 14 minutes a night, and uh, you're not going to be able to put up the kind of offensive production to win the Calder playing that many minutes a night. But, uh, you know, again, it was a fun one, and it would have been nice to see him, uh, you know, come out and snag it from, from a Kirill Kaprizov or a Jason Robertson or a Timmy Stutzla even with an outside chance. But uh, anyways, it, it was a fun one. But thoughts on that, his season so far. Harp, you haven't chimed in in a while. Yeah, well, I I just saw, um, I forget what account posted it, but uh, that, you know, the the Kings are just, they're loaded with prospects, in particular with centermen, and Velarde is maybe a guy who could get moved, possibly, 
um, and just maybe needs a change of scenery. You know, the guy's obviously been through a lot. He's been banged up a, a lot as a, as a young guy coming into the league, and, and L.A. is still kind of going through their growing pains. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Definitely expected more out of, out of Gabe Velarde this year for sure, and I think a lot of other people did as well, Chad. Yeah, 16 points on the season. We expected him, you know, to break out a little bit. But at the end of the day, he's still a good young player. And, you know, you don't have to win the Calder to be the best player in the league. Look at Wayne Gretzky, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, etc. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Harp, why don't you now go through your, your two picks, kind of, you know, see how they turned out. Yeah, well, uh, you mentioned him a, a minute ago, and and just going back to when you were talking about uh, uh, Alexi uh, Lafreniere and how it's you know it's it was his award to lose going into the season. Well, I picked this guy right at the start, and I and I just thought that it was it was his to lose, and that's Kirill Kaprizov. He is right there at the top of this Calder race with Jason Robertson. He's got a little bit of an edge on him. And I know there's the whole talk about, you know, going back to when Artemi Panarin won it in 2015 or whatever that, oh, he had uh, kind of unfair that he's a little bit older, sort of late or uh, uh, mid-20s. And he's had, you know, five or six years of KHL experience, but he still qualifies as a rookie. And I, I think the biggest thing for me, guys, is that you could argue that he has single-handedly turned around the Minnesota Wild organization. They're on a seven-game winning streak right now. Kaprizov has 22 goals and 41 points in 47 games, so he's not far off of a point per game this season. And I just don't think there is, uh, I mean, other than guys like Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, you know, maybe another one in there, Sidney Crosby, but like, Kaprizov is right there with those guys, I think, when it comes to um, players that are so important to your team's success. And he has been absolutely crucial to the Minnesota Wild's success this season. Like, they've already clinched a playoff spot, guys. And uh, uh, behind the Vegas Golden Knights. Like, just an unbelievable season for Kaprizov and the Minnesota Wilds. So I picked this guy to win it from day one. And then my sort of fun pick, Dark Horse, uh, and, and a guy who I think could be in the mix for the Calder Trophy next year is Moritz Seider, the, the German defenseman in the Detroit Red Wings organization. He was picked sixth overall in 2019, and He's done well in the American Hockey League and over in Europe. He's been playing over in Sweden this season and, uh, you know, 28 points in 41 games. That's pretty excellent as a defenseman, but hasn't played any games this year. So I, I was pretty I was pretty off on that one. But you can bet that this guy will be in the Red Wings lineup next season and uh, could certainly be in the race or or maybe even be a dark horse for next year as well. So your, your thoughts on, on those two picks? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll talk about Moritz Seider first or Cedar, um, whatever it is. <laughs> he did. He, he won the elite prospect um, U20 player of the year in Sweden, which, you know, that kind of sounds like a maybe nothing an award because it's kind of just like a stat website. 
but you look at the list of guys that have won that before and they are all solid nhlers so that's a that's a good sign for detroit red wings fans for sure and i think that he definitely has a chance to to be in this conversation next year but boy did i ever have to hold my tongue the whole time you're talking about creel kaprizov because <laughs> that is the rant that i want to go to i want to talk about how it's unfair that a 24 year old can win the rookie of the year how it's unfair that a a guy can come over with six years of pro hockey experience and win the calder trophy how it's unfair um yeah the comparisons of panarin or it's unfair about how easy of a division he's playing in or um comparing him against jason robertson's statistics or even igor sharangovich since um april 1st or or march 30th whatever the stat was it's one of those anyways i'm going to start with the the comparison to panarin because it is so ridiculously eerie um for one panarin won this in 2015 um that happens to be the year that kirill kaprizov was drafted that's crazy (laughs) he is our age he's in 97 he turned 24 today it's his birthday today he's 24 years old (laughs) everyone else in this conversation is 21 years old except timmy stutzla who is 19 let's talk about that um actually let's not talk about that let's move on let's talk about (laughs) the fact that both of them had six years of experience in the khl that's impressive in its own i am not saying that kirill kaprizov is a bad player he is outstanding he's so talented and i love watching him to be honest he's also like got this weird size combo of like five foot eight but like 210 pounds and, (laughs) and can dangle and make guys look just embarrassing but but just the fact that he can come in after six years in the KHL, which again is impressive in its own. He was playing there when he was 18 years old. He was drafted from the KHL. That's all impressive. But the fact that you can play professional hockey, get in the second best, arguably second best, maybe third best league in the world, and then come over and be put in the same category as all these other guys. I think that, you know, Either they need to lower the age that you can win the Calder to to 21 and younger, or they need to make two awards. They need need to make the award for 21 and under, and then the Calder stays the way it is. Something like that has to happen. Case, I like where your head's at because I totally agree with this. It's unfair to the 18, 19-year-old players who come into the league after just playing in, say, like the OHL or the NCAA or whatever, who are just young guys and they want to make an impact, but they're overshadowed by players like Kaprizov who have played parts of six seasons in the KHL. And I wouldn't even say arguably. I will say the second-best league uh, in in the world, and, and that's the Continental Hockey League. I don't think they should lower the age to 21 because I think, what is it now, 26? I think in the first place, that's just an arbitrary number. So 21 is equally arbitrary. I think what they should do, and also I don't think that they should have two awards. I think what they should do is if you play any time, or maybe they set an arbitrary number, say like seven games in a professional hockey league, whether that be the KHL, the SHL, the but uh, check the, a- the AHL is a pro- professional hockey league. So if you say you can't include AHL players, that's the bulk of players coming into the the NHL. But I would say I would say the AHL is an exception, and you could the workaround could be because it's affiliated with NHL clubs. I would I would say the SHL, the KHL for sure, um, the Finnish Liga, and maybe the Czech Extra Liga 
if you play a game in any of those leagues, you should not be eligible for the Calder Trophy. I, don't, I disagree with that because, like, again, Pedersen would be out. Like, yeah, well, maybe he shouldn't. I mean... Uh, then that also deteriorates from the SHL's development program. Like, I don't, I don't know. It, it, then then most Swedish players would be out of it. This would become an American award. Yeah, I mean... North American. Or what you see is... Yeah, you know what? What you see is then players who are good enough to play in the SHL playing in tier two in Sweden and the same thing, you know, in Russia playing in like. Well, I think that the way you do this is maybe you say if you've played 100 professional hockey league games, then you're not eligible for the Calder or 150 or something like that. Okay, and maybe that's the case, right? That makes a little more sense. Yeah. Because then, you know, if you play a year or a year and a half in the SHL, you can still come over. You're still only going to be 20 years old, and and bingo, bango, you can win the Calder. But, I mean, I wasn't trying to have too much of a conversation on on what they should do with the Calder, but I just want to state that I have a bias. Because I think it's unfair, and... I have just become the biggest Jason Robertson bandwagoner <laughs> in the world right now. And, you know, Harp, you, t- you talk about him really being like crucial for the team. But I think what's been so crucial for Minnesota this year is that they're playing against Anaheim, L.A., um, San Jose, who are all not having good seasons. They're all bottom feeder teams right now. Yeah. And even St. Louis is having a so-so year and Arizona is um, playing under the disguise of a playoff team (laughs) I don't think that they're a playoff team in any of the other divisions so even though I I said that they were going to make the playoffs but that's because of the division they're in and um, yeah you you look at what Kirill's done it's fantastic it's great it's exciting to have an exciting Minnesota player first one since like Marion Gabber but let's look at the uh points per team he's played <laughs> i went through and did this earlier the la kings he has nine points against Oof. the arizona coyotes he has 10 points against san uh, san jose six colorado six anaheim four vgk four and st louis one point i if i was playing against la every night well not me but if most rookies <laughs> were playing against la all or every night i think that they'd have quite a few points yeah sure lafreniere was probably going to put the puck in the net against the la kings uh seven times so far this season or whatever he's at and then yeah i want to do a little bit of a comparison to jason robertson who's emerged as the the number two guy on this list and talk about how he has more points per game at, at 0.88 compared to Caprizos 0.87. His even strength points is 36 to Kirill's 30. Plus minus 14 to 6. Some people hate that stat, whatever. Points per 60, 3.3 compared to 2.9. Corsi, 56.6 compared to 46.8. Like the impact that this guy has when he's on the ice is just remarkable um, for the Dallas Stars who started this season out in a terrible way and then have slowly clawed back into the the talks of playoffs here so he's had such an impact on their team as well and the guy is 21 years old he he made it in from the ahl here he's playing in the ohl the year before it's just it's outstanding to make a guy 
see a guy make the jump to the NHL like that so quick. And that's why I want Robertson to win. There's some other guys that maybe are in the talk. You talk about Timmy Stutzla, but I don't even think that he's the most deserving on the Ottawa Senders. I think that Josh Norris should be in this talk. Yeah. He oh, is yeah. taken on more responsibility than Krill Kaprasov and Jason Robertson put together. He is the number one C in Ottawa where no one thought he was going to be in that situation. And he has just taken the burden of this team straight on and has played outstanding. I think he has 30 points now in, in 48 games and he's really done a great job in Ottawa so far. And, and I'm really looking forward to see how his career turns out and uh, kind of make them feel a little bit better about that Eric Carlson trade. So you know, that's that, those are all my opinions on Kirill Kaprizov. I really don't think that he should win the Calder, although I think that he's an outstanding player and is going to have a very bright future. And we're going to be talking about him like we're talking about Artemi Panarin right now and how that should that guy should be in the conversation for the heart. Yeah. So let let me just say, and going back to our conversation about the you know the limitations or the structure or how the Calder Trophy is awarded in the first place. Without getting into the actual specifics, I think we can agree that we want to see this trophy changed and whether that's a limit of 100 games or X amount of games in a pro league, like we think that makes sense. So we can agree on that. Um, secondly, yeah, Jason Robertson, I'm in. I'm, I'm a fan. I would love to see him win the Calder Trophy because then next year... Uh, his baby brother could win it for the Maple Leafs as well. So that would be great. <laughs> do you know what, quickly, do you know yeah. what Jason Robertson was doing when uh, Kirill Kaprizov was drafted? <laughs> what? Jason Robertson was playing for the Don Mills Flyers U16 AAA team. <laughs> oh, my. Keep making jabs like that. I'll be here all night. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm in, dude. I, I did a deep dive on the comparison as well, and it, it's the points per 60 that does it for me. It's it's uh, the even strength points that does it for me. It's, you know, playing better competition, playing on a traditionally lower scoring team in the Dallas Stars. It's all of that for me, and the fact that Jason Robertson kind of wasn't even on the map in, in terms of you know, sports betting dimes, uh, Vegas odds for the Calder at the start of the season. And now he is. He's number two. And I think if you want to make a bit of money, maybe place a bet on him to win the, the Calder trophy. I think right now the only thing working against Jason Robertson is that he doesn't have that uh, household name, that pedigree, that Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov has and I think that might be the reason that we see Kaprizov hang on to this Calder and who I think it'll be tight who knows but that's that's well, definitely wanna, a factor should I go grab my tinfoil hat because <laughs> I'm going to get into a little bit of conspiracy Let's here and I man. think that regardless of how well this season goes for Jason Robertson at the end here I think that Kirill is still going to win it because the NHL needs something for Minnesota and Dallas yeah. was in the Stanley Cup finals last year so they really don't need this yeah dude <laughs> I don't even think that's a tinfoil hat moment there I totally agree yeah. I think you know, and, and it, the NHL realizes this. No matter how bad they are at marketing in in certain aspects of the game, they they do realize that they need a superstar, especially in a market that's been so mediocre for so long. And that's Minnesota. So they need a superstar to promote. You know, Kirill is is a you know he's a kind of a funny looking, like quirky guy, and you know I, I think he fits the bill for what the NHL wants to promote as their next superstar. So and just the whole 
you know, how it rings off the tongue, you know, Kirill the thrill, Caprice off. Like, I just think that all of those are factors, whether we like it or not, which is just funny to think about, but it's, it's, it's reality, you know? Yeah. I uh, I want to chime in and just say that I, I, I love Jason Robertson as well. And I think that, honestly, uh, I mean, Kirill has breathed new life into, into the Minnesota Wild. There's no question. And I think, like, when it comes to these awards, like, team success is such a factor. That's why I mentioned it right off the top about Kaprizov and how he's just – he's been so crucial for the success of the Minnesota Wild. And you could even say that, like, like Dean Evason, like is he not in there for the Jack Adams as well for best coach, like with with Minnesota? So that's a whole other conversation. But I, I do think that team success is a big part of it. Obviously, Dallas Good has point. had such a such a tough year, and the state of Texas has had just such a tough year in general with the power outages, and some of the players had flooding in their homes and didn't have heat or water for days on end and so it's been a really brutal year there but Jason Robertson has breathed new life I think into the Dallas Stars the fact that you know Jamie Benn and Alex Radulov underperformed last year they're not getting any younger Tyler Sagan out for the entire season they don't score a lot of goals some of their forwards that were expected to be in the top six are playing more of a bottom six role they're not really producing to the level that uh, the Stars organization thought they would when they drafted them and and then you look at uh the way robertson has been able to produce it really has breathed new life into the dallas stars and case like great uh digging just going back to the fact that he was playing for the don mills flyers when kaprizov was drafted it, it just speaks to how impressive uh robertson is by making this as close of a race as it is with Kaprizov. So I think both of these players have breathed new life into their organizations, but Kaprizov definitely has the edge, like you said, Chad, because Minnesota's been st- uh, stuck in that dreaded middle for so long, and they're finally having success with a franchise player that they've been waiting on. Yeah, no, I, I agree that for the the, uh, the lore of it, Kaprizov's in the lead, but boys... You got, a, uh, you got a hell of a player in Dallas. Two, two points back. Yeah. With uh, one less game, is it? Uh, is that think, where we're at now? No. I, oh, I, sorry. Yeah. Four, uh, three points back and four less games. Yeah. For Jason Robertson. Yeah. That, that's that's very impressive. And uh, guys, uh, it's funny. One of my one of my coworkers actually, Nate Vandermeer. He's he's our CTV guy in in Brockville, and he's a Dallas Stars fan. And, uh, you know, I talked to him in the off season and the conversation was about, uh, oh, is Anton Hudobin going to resign? That's all it was about. But then the first thing I said to him when I saw him was, man, you, you guys have a player in Jason Robertson. And he just, the smile on his face was <laughs> massive. So anyway, two very impressive players. Case, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, Josh Norris in there, who I think like he was a part of that San Jose trade, but we did not think he would be as big of a part uh, of that deal as he is panning out to be now. And uh, very impressive that he's third 
uh, with uh, with with these guys and uh, in this race. And I look at others uh, down, uh, you know, further down the totem pole. A couple of goaltenders in there too, Chad. You look at Capo Kakinen of the Minnesota Wild and and Alex Nedeljkovic of a very good Carolina Hurricanes team. And it's uh, it's it's been it's been quite a quite a race and we've been very blessed in this pandemic shortened season to have quite a few good rookies i think right guys yeah. oh 100 percent. Sure. i think there's been uh six players on the devils to score their first nhl goal this year <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy uh yeah guys They're running out of pucks <laughs> just uh just as we wrap up here i like just want to say like hard totally agree man what a weird but also crazy season it's it's been so far and like how blessed we are to be able to see all of these you know good young players who we didn't even think were going to be in the conversation or on the map but have completely surprised us and i i just want to say you know again sort of as we we wrap up talking about jason robertson and everything next year at the start of the season, I want you to ask me in a cap or no cap segment if we are still doing this. You know, who will have more points in their true rookie year? Uh, the Robertson brother, Jason, or the Robertson brother, Nick? So I want you to ask me that, okay? Because we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see. You'll have to remind me. Maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, it's uh, and just in general, guys, uh, you know, it's it's as we get closer to wrapping up here, uh, it's been a tough year for a lot of people. But I got to tell you, I think I speak for all of us and, and our listeners when I say that the game of hockey and what it has done for our mental health and well-being uh, and just being able to watch games every night, whether our teams are playing or not, has been absolutely huge. Oh, for yeah, sure. For sure. All right. Well, uh, a couple of notes before we we wrap up again. Uh, Remember, go to boysinthebooth.com slash shop. Our summer merch is available only until Friday. Guys, our good buddy Mitch Lawn sent me a Snapchat earlier today. He got his bucket hat absolutely loves it and he can't wait to uh wear it out on the golf course and again uh we're almost at thirty seven hundred dollars uh if we hit that mark uh we will uh put on some uh some boys in the booth skirts and play around a golf and you'll get to see the whole thing so uh looking forward to all of that and guys uh i wanted to say as well our good buddy, Alan at Mansky, a shout out to him. Four years ago today, he beat testicular cancer. So that is absolutely amazing. Uh, Alan's a great dude, and we love having him on the podcast. So uh, great job, guys, and uh, have a great week. Thanks. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.